You're listening to Opera Innovations, a podcast brought to you by ABA Technologies. This month on the University Series, we are talking with a brand new online program, Truman State University and Dr. Chris Rosado. So without further ado, Truman State. All right, so today I'm very excited. We are here talking with Truman State University and we'll jump right in. And I'm going to let Chris um, introduce himself, but first off, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. And um, I'm excited to learn more. Awesome. And I'm pretty excited to share the program that we have uh, here at Truman State. Uh, it's new and we think that uh, we've really done our due diligence to make sure that uh, it meets the needs of we think what students at Trinity Discipline need. Uh, like you mentioned, my name is Chris Asato. I'm the program director uh, for the graduate programs at uh, Truman State. Uh, it's uh, is a fairly new program. We welcomed our first cohort last year, uh, but we've been fortunate to have uh, a significant amount of support with court design, instructional design. Uh, and I think uh, we've put out really a strong product, which we can kind of explore and dig into today. Yeah, I'm really excited to learn more because one of the things that, you know, I try really hard not to ask questions before this so that I can also be learning at the same time. And um, kind of, you know, jumping in, I mean, I know we've talked a little bit about this before, but how about some of the faculty and those faculty's research interests? Awesome. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we have, we're a growing program, so we're gradually growing uh, faculty as we have student needs. Uh, we have uh, an on-site clinic, although the program is remote, uh, we are opening a center on campus that will have uh, we're in the process of hiring a clinical director, and there is um, a director for the entire program that's also a doctor level BCBA. Um, so our interest definitely at that center, it's called the Greenwood Center in Kirksville, Missouri, is really to focus on uh, community ABA, uh, providing services in clinic and uh, home-based settings, school settings, and really focusing on a need for behavioral analytic services in rural areas. Um, like most other uh, states that uh, might be more of a uh, suburban, like Missouri, uh, there's a big focus of brownness in the metropolitan areas, but uh, a big need in other areas. Um, so the focus of the the campus center is going to be to kind of meet those needs uh, with uh, an emphasis on looking for research topics related to staff training, um, programmatic uh, components, uh, and then really dealing with uh, home and community-based services. Um, myself, I'm interested in, I would like to say, a, a, a wide scope of uh, areas in behavior analysis. Uh, Practice-wise, I practice in um, autism and developmental disabilities, generally in that uh, K through 21 age in a variety of different settings. Um, Research-wise, I'm very focused in health and fitness and wellness. So it's kind of a little bit outside of your day-to-day, but uh, as we know, behavioral analysts uh, could really impact any area of social significance. And for me, I find that to be a very interesting topic. So um, as we have opportunity, that's just something we're looking into. Uh, the program is structured in a way that if a student wanted to do uh, applied research, it's possible, or they could do something a little bit more um, more 
uh, kind of like a clinical planning, clinical, uh, something a little more client focused that isn't answering a specific research question, but there's opportunity for both. Perhaps maybe a student that wanted to go into a PhD program after the fact, but we don't offer one uh, doing uh, an experimental thesis, for example, would be a good opportunity for someone that wanted to look into one after the fact. Um, that's wonderful. That's really great to hear, especially for, you know, a new program, like you said. And so kind of jumping into some more of the specifics of that program, you know, what can people expect from the Truman State program? You know, if, you know, if they're looking for programs and the main goal of this podcast is to, you know, really help individuals find the best program for them because, you know, not every program's for everybody. And yeah. so what can the can what can potential students expect from the Truman State program? Yeah, so I think there's a few components that make our program stand out and potentially uh, appear more unique. Uh, so first, so we offer a certificate program and then uh, a master's uh, of arts program. And the master's of arts is in disability studies. And the focus is not on like a special education lens. It's more on the social advocacy and cultural aspects of disability, which I think really help behavioral analysts as they uh, kind of push towards client-centered treatment that gets direct feedback from clients regardless of the type of input they can provide. Um, so really looking at uh, where is social significance and is uh, this something the parent tells you that they really wanna work on, uh, which is great information, but like, what are we getting from that learner, that three-year-old child that might be have some delays communication-wise? What information are you getting from them to really ensure that what you're working on is going to be in their best interest and then really navigating that the cultural aspects of disability so moving away from uh we're working on this because it's what people do versus we're working on this because it's meaningful for you uh and how it connects with your culture and your identity as an individual that might have a disability so that's uh the focus of the the core program and then uh, the ABA courses, of course, are tied to the content that's required, but whenever possible, try to take that lens, but then also a more general lens. So it isn't everything focused on the disability studies aspects. Uh, we try to use examples and scenarios and vignettes that really go across behavior analysis uh, to expose students to really potentially any area. So if they wanted to kind of branch out and go to uh, an area in behavior that isn't specific development disabilities and autism, it's something that they would have some training in despite the degree being titled disability studies. Uh, the program is online. Uh, so it uh, is completely online. Uh, if a student were local to Kirksville, they could attend uh, maybe field placement at our campus center when that opens up. And it's scheduled to open, hopefully, if everything goes well, uh, fall of this year of 23. Uh, and the classes are delivered in eight-week segments. So generally, students uh, just take one course at a time. Uh, so eight weeks and eight weeks. So fall on spring and then just one course during the summer generally. Uh, there are, uh, it's mostly, I use the term, mostly asynchronous. Uh, so we tried to find a blend between uh, accommodating working professionals, uh, people that have personal obligations. So avoiding scheduling 
like two to three hour weekly meetings. Um, so each ABA course it has two live meetings and it's structured that the live meetings happen on week three and then week six. Um, so it gives folks an opportunity to have a really nice discussion instead of a lecture. So there's a, a decent amount of lecture content uh, that exposes students to the materials in a variety of different ways. But those uh, two meetings per class are meant to have a nice solid discussion uh, over probably two weeks of content. Um, so it keeps people in contact with the instructor and their group. Uh, but in addition to that, we're really about uh, developing a community uh, within the online program. Uh, so we also use interteaching. So interteaching is uh, an evidence-based uh, teaching procedure used in higher education sometimes. And it, it really uses kind of a peer interaction. Students are, are paired with a peer for the course uh, when there's an interteaching assignment, which generally happens in a week that you we don't meet except for the last week, just because there's generally a lot of things going on. And they essentially just discussed the topics that were reviewed the last maybe two weeks and then answer specific prompts. And then they submit a form that uh, ask any questions. So for example, if we're looking at stimulus equivalency and relational frame theory, there might be a lot of questions connecting those two. Um, so it gives the opportunity for the students to review the content between each other and maybe clarify things. And if there's still some disconnects, then they would uh, send the form to instructor and then the instructor will provide more feedback. And that could be feedback that they could maybe post an announcement and just quickly review something or something that they would specifically target during the during the live lectures that they have um, during those two live lectures. So I think we've really done a lot to make sure that students don't feel like they're on an island. So while we might have students that are in potentially very rural areas, we don't want them to feel like they are the only behavioral analytic student in uh, X hundred miles, but they uh, want to make sure that they're able to connect with their peers. And uh, I think we've done that from what we have getting like preliminary surveys from our, from our current cohort. Uh, other features that I think helpful to stand out. So our lecture content. So uh, we are fortunate to have a pretty uh, helpful instructional design team at Truman. Uh, so there was a significant amount of support uh, looking at evidence-based practices uh, connected to online learning. Uh, so we also try to design our courses in alignment with Quality Matters, uh, which is uh, essentially a training and believe kind of uh, credentialing and course review body that looks at a high quality asynchronous content. So we try our best to design things in, in alignment with that. So Although we need a certain amount of uh, contact hours, lectures and whatnot, we really avoid these like two hour, three hour pre-recorded lectures because it's just, it's difficult to sit through them. Uh, people have other obligations. So while a given week might have two to three hours worth of content, it's broken up in a way that folks can come in and out, in and out, in and out. So uh, we've integrated our lectures into kind of an interactive format. So there might be like a 10 to 15 minute video followed by maybe some active responding questions and some other supplementary components. And then if someone needs to go fix dinner or if they need to jump on a work call, they could do that, jump back, and then just gonna hit that spot that they were right in. So I think it really lends itself to uh, not only dealing with potentially a packed schedule, but accommodates 
different learning styles. So someone that can concentrate for three hours and just kind of must through that whole content or someone that might need to break it up so they grasp the content a little bit better. Um, I think those are the major features. We also, uh, some of these other programs have integrated uh, BDS uh, because, or the, the CBA modules, because we feel that really uh, explores content, uh, it uh, exposes to where that content's coming from. There's resources and uh, supported by pretty strong test data. So that's integrated into our program as well. No, that's great. I really liked how you described in depth how the program is set up, especially for it being online, because a lot of times people have questions about how online programs are set up and, you know, how they're really going to be able to fit it into their schedule, their timings, this and that. Um, have you been getting any feedback from any of your students so far on, you know, the coursework or their experiences in it or anything along those lines? Yeah, we've um, we've gotten feedback, general course surveys, uh, but then also as we kind of hit our next recruitment cycle, uh, we're soliciting feedback from the students as well to kind of uh, ask them like, why did you pick this program? Or, and essentially, is it meeting the expectations? Um, and then even from prospective students that we've touched base with so far, like their biggest questions are essentially that, do will I have a connection with somebody? Um, so we really wanted to move away from like maybe a more traditional asynchronous model that it is like living on an island and that there's a lot of connection between with the instructor and your peers. Um, and it even, I described a few things, but it extends beyond that. Like uh, there, is there, we have uh, specific timelines for providing student feedback, uh, different models. I know for me personally, depending on the assignment, I'm a big fan of audio feedback. So if it's a, a written assignment, I will just record myself talking through the assignment and give really detailed feedback that if I were to write that up, it would have taken me like maybe two hours. Uh, but here I feel the, the feedback we got from our students is that it's pretty helpful and it gets them a lot uh, more information and a more personal touch. And I feel like that's the feedback we've gotten so far and we're continuing to solicit feedback from our students as they we, they jump into these um, these new courses. Well, and I love hearing just a lot of like the individualization and, you know, really this ongoing feedback from the students. I, I love hearing that, you know, you are connecting students with each other to work with each other, especially in an online program, just because like you said, sometimes I can feel like you're on an island and, um, you know, these are, and once you start meeting these people and learning who these people are, these are going to be the individuals that become, you know, your network after you're done. Um, luckily we're in an age of technology where, you know, even when they're done with school, they'll be able to reach out to these individuals and ask questions if they have questions. So I, I absolutely love hearing that as well. I know you mentioned some, you know, some of the, if anybody is close to campus, what, um, one of the options may be, but one of the questions we always have for online programs is how do they handle practicum? and getting hours. So I will pass that to you. Yeah, so uh, in the two degree programs, certificate and the masters, uh, it's not required to do field work for the certificate at this time. Uh, that might change in the future, depending on uh, 
the ABAI process and whatnot. Um, internship is required for the, the master's program, and it generally takes place in the, the fall and spring of the second semester. Uh, we've recently partnered with uh, BHCOE in terms of uh, trying to partner whenever possible with uh, accredited training sites. So uh, for those, I don't know, do you, have you had anyone that BHCOE on the podcast or any information about them? One of my best friends actually used to work for BHCOE. So I personally probably know more about BHCOE than some of the general public. Okay. But, um, but yeah, so I know plenty. <laughs> I can give like a, a two sentence view. Yeah, that it. would be great for those, uh, for, you know, just for those that aren't maybe necessarily super familiar. Okay. Um, so BOTOE is the Behavioral Health Center for Excellence, and they are uh, essentially an accreditation body specific to clinical practice of behavior analysis. Um, so they have a, a criteria and a system for accrediting uh, a, a provider of ABA services, for example, like a, a day program, uh, something around that sorts. And they also have a secondary accreditation that looks um, a little bit less rigorous, that looks more specifically at uh, training. Um, so we've partnered with BHCOE to really uh, promote our students to seek out sites that are accredited. And that just is an additional safeguard for the quality of training that they get. So of course, at the university level, we could do our due diligence to make sure our course content is rigorous, uh, but um, a little bit more difficult when they're out of the field, especially in a remote program. Um, so we partner with BHCOE. And uh, of course, we're in Missouri and we're online. So there's uh, a potentially a big variance between how many sites are accredited by BHCOE in the area. So there's uh, flexibility um, and there's a few kind of um, uh, addendums and options if there was maybe not an accredited provider in the area or if someone is already working under the supervision of BCBA and they want to continue their field work there, but they're not accredited. Um, so we'll do our best to kind of partner them with BHC to get accredited, but there's still options if uh, it's not able to happen and somebody wants to get supervised at a particular site that isn't accredited. Um, so we would have our own internal review, making sure the supervised qualified, making sure that um, the clinical quality meets general standards. Um, so that's an option when uh, folks reach internship. So internship, like I mentioned, it happens during year two, uh, during fall and spring. And essentially we have a number of field work hours required. Uh, the university has defined for internship that a student needs to do 60 hours per credit. And that's essentially the minimum that's needed. But of course we recommend that students do as much as they can. So if they're working uh, full time and all those hours count to what the BACB would uh, be okay with and the supervisor, then we would support all of that. Um, so students have the potential to collect a significant out of amount of hours required. And we are very flexible in terms of providing additional support for supervision. So um, if it's someone that maybe is working in a special education program that there is no BCBA in the district, or they're not contracting for someone, uh, provided that the district is receptive, we could come up with some sort of agreements to provide that supervision. Um, so they're getting their field work, because again, our focus, our mission of the program is to build a rallist in Missouri and other rural areas. So 
uh, it's difficult if there's no supervisors. Uh, we can also supplement supervision. So we know that uh, BCBAs are busy. So they may not be able to meet with a uh, uh, supervisee X amount of times, especially if maybe a supervisee wants to work towards concentrated so we can supplement their supervision. Uh, so there's a lot of options for folks to get as many hours as they want. Uh, we also offer as an optional uh, practicum. Um, so internship is required part of the degree program. And then practicum is optional, really doing year one and summer. If students want to get additional supervision, maybe they're not able to get it at their site. Maybe it's the same situation that they are, they don't have a BCBA and they need somebody from, from Truman to help supervise, uh, then we can help coordinate that as well. So if a student was in a position to uh, work, uh, get gather hours, we would definitely support that. And then even if they're in a position to want to, they don't have a site, we are, uh, we have connections in Missouri and other areas, and we can help facilitate and look for, uh, for sites. Uh, we're fortunate that a lot of students are able to get paid positions uh, doing field work, which is, I think, a huge benefit compared to some other disciplines. Uh, so if a student has the ability to do something, we will do our best to support them and, and, and find something for them to do. Uh, the biggest difference between practicum and internship is because internship, there's a product requirement as well. Um, so that would be, uh, it's almost like what ABI might call like the equivalent of a thesis. So students essentially would take uh, the two terms to uh, do an applied uh, clinical project in which they're essentially following from start to finish a client that they're working with uh, from assessment, treatment, uh, results, maintenance, all that. And then they end up at the second term with uh, essentially a, a document describing the whole process. And then this is where it jumps in if someone wanted to do applied research. Um, so a student would just reach out uh, to their advisor and state that they wanted to potentially do advisory, uh, some applied research. And we would just coordinate with the site, see if that was okay, and then work on the, the IRB process because that would be required. Um, so students essentially would end that second semester with a product demonstrating their kind of competence in behavior analysis in that specific area in which they're practicing. And that's that's got to fit in really well with some of the students that you mentioned that may be interested in, you know, going on and furthering their education after they're done, you know, really being able to show those PhD programs or whatever program that they want to, you know, apply to that they have done the research work, they have done this and that, and they do have that experience. Yeah, that's exactly what we're thinking. So the applied research product is going to be great for a student that might be interested in uh, some additional doctorate level training. But then the, the applied clinical project is great because it, it potentially could be part of a portfolio. So like a brand new BCBA, when looking for a job, like I know when I work clinically, I would ask for products. Let me see, can I see an FBA after an interview or a treatment plan? And this could be something, a fairly strong product that they could send to prospective employers to show that they have um, quality content. So I think there's multiple components. And again, we're flexible to the experience. So if a student has... Um, uh, another idea that meshes with what uh, the goal is, really demonstrating the competency and behavior analysis, then we're very flexible to uh, what it looks like. And I think um, at the state we are, we have a lot of room to make things pretty customized and we'll kind of navigate what that looks like as the kind of program grows when we get there. <clears throat> well, and I love hearing that too. And I think that, you know, from what I'm hearing, especially with, you know, being such a new program and starting the practicum, just the practicum portion of a program can be so difficult. 
I, I I love hearing how, you know, Truman has gone um, forward with that and, you know, really kind of looking at, okay, who is accrediting in our field? How can we put in some extra safeguards? So I think that's absolutely wonderful personally. Um, and did I hear too, that most of the students so far have been mostly in clinics and school settings as well, because I know that sometimes we get some questions on, well, you know, is there any option to get supervision outside of like clinics or schools or some of those non-traditional sites as well? Yeah, I, um, so a majority of our students are kind of working in more traditional settings or so clinics, schools, uh, home community-based programs. Uh, I think we're certainly open to providing supervision outside of that context. Um, so depending on kind of our capability, like I mentioned, we're going to have uh, behavioral analysts at our site, at the campus site. So, for example, if there was a student that wanted training in feeding, that isn't particularly something I would feel comfortable supervising, but we might have somebody. Um, and then as well, there might be a capacity to to uh, within our networks to find somebody that can provide more specific supervision. So, like, I know my scope in terms of clinical and uh, potential like health and fitness. So there's room. I think it just depends on um the, what they're interested in. Uh, eventually, maybe we might have a large faculty that uh, has a foot in a lot of different areas. Right now, we have all the main components, but uh, as we get student needs, then we can navigate stuff. And I think because internship happens during the second year, if a student has particular interest, uh, we could we have time to look for potentially a supervisor that might be a good fit. Well, and I mean, you with the health and fitness, I haven't seen it blow up recently mm. too. Um, just, yeah, like, I mean, I've known a little bit here and there just because of, you know, my role within my job, but um, I've been seeing it more and more and more and more and I'm loving it. So um, if anybody's listening and they're interested, reach out to Chris because it's really, it's a really cool area to get into as well. Yeah, um, uh, one more thing about the, uh, the yeah. different areas. One thing we do have in our course sequence, we have a course we call just advanced behavior analysis. And what that does, it, it uh, spends more than just a, a few seconds on some of these other, other topics. Um, so it's a course that it does jump into health service and fitness because that's um, my area of interest. Uh, so there's like a, a week uh, or two that focuses on that. Uh, we have some content connected to acceptance commitment therapy. And because students have had, I think, decent exposure to RFT in the content as well. So connecting that to a clinical application, uh, there's a lot of stuff around uh, culture and gender diversity, because that's also an interest area of mine. So uh, that's a course that's offered almost at the end of the sequence, uh, but it ties together uh, a lot of other areas of behavior. Another mistake. Uh, ties together other areas of behavior analysis besides the traditional. So if a student, for example, didn't know that uh, behavior analysis can be used in with a geriatric population, this could expose them and potentially have them seek out uh, supervision or have us connect with them. Um, so it, it's an opportunity for them to get at least some more than basic knowledge on the content and then maybe spark interest uh, to again, like help branch out the discipline. And that is just so important. Because I know that, you know, when I'm supervising too, that's one of my first questions, you know, to some of my students is, okay, where do you think you, where do you think you want to go right now? And so, you know, we start, they start testing those things out because until you get into them, you're not quite, trust me, you're not quite sure until you try it. So 
No, I love, I love hearing that. And I love that that is a course that is actually focused on like, Hey, yeah, this is what you've heard and what you've probably been doing. But if you want to try something else, here's mm. this. So I really do love hearing that. The next question is probably pretty similar to a lot of our other schools, but how about the application and or, you know, interview process if there is one? You know, what does that look like? Great. Yeah. Um, so at this point, our application process does not include an interview. Uh, it's more traditional components, uh, the, the general application, uh, of course, transcripts and whatnot, and then a written statement. And uh, really, of course, like looking at the type of student we're, we're looking for, like a diverse student that really like shows um, motivation and connects with like some of the principles of the program or mission rather. So um, causing meaningful changes in people's lives, um, building behavior analysis. Um, so really that's what we're looking for, especially with um, the disability studies aspect of the program. Uh, learners that uh, understand that uh, we're here to kind of support these individuals, not kind of force treatment down, uh, really looking within their best interests. Um, so that is generally captured in the, in the, in the, in the written component of the application, which they submit about two or three page paper, just kind of talking about their interests in the program. Um, so uh, that's the main component. And then just all the general stuff, transcripts, background check, um, and the application fee. Wonderful. And so, yes, in the description of the podcast, if you have questions, please feel free to reach out or the website will also be available in the description. Um, but we've covered a lot so far. And, you know, we've covered we've general overview, faculty, you know, the um, some of the research interests in classes and student expectations, experiences, practicum. Um, is there anything else that you want to make sure that listeners know about, you know, this newer online program? Mm -hmm. I think really capitalizing, and we've talked about already, like the, the social component, I think is something that uh, has the potential to really stand out for the program, uh, like connection with the instructor, your advisor, your peers. Um, I think from well, my experience teaching from uh, potentially some other asynchronous programs and what students support, that's something that um, has come up pretty often. Uh, students falling behind in terms of content and not really having the opportunity uh, students may not feel super comfortable emailing, say, oh, I don't understand this, um, and might just try to kind of mush through. Uh, so giving a lot of opportunities for them to provide feedback uh, and make sure they stay connected, they can ask somebody something, uh, even if it's a check in and say, how was your day? So I think we're in the process of really building those relationships as uh, cohorts travel together and connect with faculty. And I love hearing that. And, you know, really just, I think it's a really cool process to be a part of, you know, a growing program and really being there. So again, if anybody has questions, please feel free to reach out to Chris or to the program. Um, and Chris, thank you so much for teaching yeah. me as well. Yeah, no, I appreciate the time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Opera Innovations. As always, if you have questions, comments, feedback, or suggestions, please feel free to reach out to us at operainnovations at abatechnologies.com.